another episode of Crime and Coffee with me, I'm Mike. And I'm Allison. And that's Allison. Yeah, so we just got done watching a little Bill O'Reilly uh, special. If you've never seen it, you got to take a look on YouTube. It's back when he was on Inside Edition, and uh, he got a little pissed off that the uh, teleprompters didn't say what he was expecting. So he went off and he's like, fuck it. Fuck it, we'll do it live. We'll do it live. I had never seen it before or heard of it, and it was basically an adult grown man having a full-blown tantrum. <laughs> and then uh, Stewie from Family Guy, they remade it on the Family Guy um, you know, cartoon. So I showed that too, and that was pretty funny. It was pretty much the exact same thing, just hilarious because it was a cartoon. You wouldn't think it was real. Is that how it is to work with me here on the podcast? Yeah, I'm kind of on eggshells all the time. Just like something. Where the fuck is my coffee? <laughs> fuck it. Fuck it. Give me my coffee. Yes, that's what I'm expecting half the time. So It's not hot enough. What the fuck? Well, it, a lot of people don't know. There's a little behind the scenes of this podcast. Oh, here we go with the lies. Um, I have to edit a good 45 minutes of Allison saying dumb shit. At mostly. least. Yeah. You never know what's going to come out of these lips. Yeah, exactly. So, But um, my coffee is amazing and you made it for me. Yeah, I was going to say, I, uh, your coffee looks extra good this morning. So thank you. Yeah, and then I'm uh, drinking uh, major dickinson's uh blend you're a major dickinson from pete's it's a really good coffee it's i love this a dark 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 roast so you like a punch you in the face type of yeah like a chewy chewy coffee where it's so thick you can chew it yeah it's like breakfast and coffee in one yeah exactly um also got a uh a song in my head today uh i'm begging begging you Oh, that means I'm going to hear that no less than 750,000 times. Yeah. No joke. When Mike gets a song stuck in his head, it's every 30 to 45 seconds he sings it. Yeah. It's uh, currently made by Mainskin, I believe it is. It's like M-A-N-E-S-K-I-N, Beggin, B-E-G-G-I-N. And uh, I love it. Love the little riff. And I found out that it's actually like a remake. Like it's been remade several times with the first most popular time being by the Four Seasons in like the 1950s. So if you didn't, uh, if you enjoyed me singing it for that brief clip, then go ahead and look it up, and then you can get a little earworm, as I call it. Yeah, you easily get earworms. Yeah, I do. It's I'm like well known in the family for it. It could even be like somebody's um, like ringtone or text tone, and you'll just whistle that over and over, like through the whole day. I'm a big whistler to the point that I'm like going out of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I I make it a point sometimes. I find it kind of annoying when people have the ringers really high. So, um, just my passive aggressive way of going about it is just whistling their, their, uh, ringer. So if I'm at a store and somebody has a call and whatever, I'm just like, well, do you ever notice too, some people's phones are ringing and they're not like making any move to pick it up. Yes. That bugs the shit out of me. And you're in a place where you really should pick it up quickly, like a restaurant or something well, like that. Yeah, Just generally anywhere in public. Like nobody wants to be listening to your uh, really loud you know, ringing. Yeah, and I don't have a ringtone because I wear an Apple Watch, so it just buzzes on my wrist. Ooh, fancy. Well, you have a Fitbit, so you don't need a ringer either, Yeah, you jack lick. Well, I wouldn't say this works half the time, so. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, I I usually miss calls, so at least I have it on. If I really need to get a call, I make sure it's off of of a Do Not Disturb. So what else is going on? Um, I don't know. I get the, my Bears have their starting rookie QB this week, uh, Justin Fields, starting for the first time. I'm super jacked about that. We're having some peeps over because of Cameron's birthday. Our son turned 13 Friday. That too. My son turned 13. Yeah. So we've got some food cooking. I was cooking all day yesterday, getting things ready. I like to do all make ahead stuff when I'm hosting a party so that I could just kick my feet up and relax. Yeah, right. You don't kick your... It's not allowed to relax in this house until it goes dark. On football Sundays, we relax. That's true. Well, I try to relax. You're usually going... Like football in the East Coast here in Florida starts at 1 p.m. And you are usually starting to relax at like 145, 2 ish area? Usually around 130. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, I have to get all my stuff ready for the week because, you know, with work, you want to have everything set. Yeah. For me, I'm like, okay, it's one. I got to sit down. So. And I'm not getting up for the rest of the day. I hope you know that. What was that fight we had? I was like, I just ask like one little thing. This isn't the only thing I ask for my in my life if I could watch NFL football. For 16 weeks, I want to sit on the couch and not be bothered. You're like, 16 weeks is something you're asking for. It's a lot. Like, it is a lot. It's not 16. Just check me out of the equation for 16 weeks from noon 
to 10 p.m. Yeah, but your initial uh, thing was, it's almost like all 16 weeks I'm checked out, but I'm not. It's like a couple hours. No, no. big deal. Are you kidding me? You watch the one o'clock games, the four o'clock games, and the night games. Well, the exciting thing about football in the morning, they say, hey, hey, welcome to seven hours of commercial-free football on the red zone. Well, I'm sorry. You have a wife and kids and a home. You can't check out. Are you sorry? Though? No. Yeah. I'm not at all. I don't know why people say that. I don't know why that. I said that. No, a lot of people do. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I, the other thing I hate it when people say is, I hate to be rude, but it's like, fuck off. Before you start your sentence, fuck off. Or when they're rude and they're like, well, I'm just being honest. It's like, yeah, there's there's honesty and then there's also tact and you're lacking tact. So maybe add, sprinkle a little tact in there. Sprinkle a little And sugar. then we'll be good. Yeah. You got your honesty. Keep that. But also add tact and respectfulness. And I think you'll, you'll just do that and stir that into your stew and then we'll be good. And then they feel like they're proud of themselves for being quote-unquote honest right it's like no you're just an asshole it's an excuse to be an asshole yeah. don't be an asshole folks it's that's really the takeaway for the day just yeah. don't be an asshole yeah you got crime and coffee telling you how to do it and that's my motto as a dietitian too just don't eat like an asshole and we'll all be good <laughs> the patients love it yeah i walk in the room i'm like cut cut the shit out don't eat like an asshole <laughs> right and then like well uh, I, I snuck a little uh kit kat and they're like i don't give a shit it's your life <laughs> that not kit mine. kat's not bothering me son yeah Actually, I really don't do much diet counseling. No, you don't. You're more of a formula type of chick. Well, critical care and then more malnutrition. So it's like, please, please eat. Eat whatever you want. Yes. Mashed potatoes with sugar on top. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. it's. I'll leave the outpatient counseling to the outpatient dietitians. That's a good idea. Yeah. Let and the they special- can tell the patients not to eat like assholes. Let the specialists specialize. They're good at that. So um, do you want to get into my... Uh, my, my, my crime here? Yes. I know nothing about it, so we'll see. That's what we're basically going to do. Just kind of keep it to ourselves and just hear it for the first time. Yeah. And um, go back and forth over who's uh, who's taking a, a crime here. So my guy is a very famous, uh, infamous murderer. And uh, if you've listened to any other podcasts, there's a decent chance you probably come across him at some point because it's a very interesting and horrific story. But his name's Ed Gein. Oh, yes. I know Ed very well. Ed and his mommy. Yeah. They're good buds. Yeah. 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 So I I thought this was interesting. So me not being a, uh, you know, uh, being in a... Tons of uh, crime podcasts until recently is, uh, you know, this is brand new to me. So I thought, uh, you know, you can you can add any kind of flavor to it as we go along here. Yeah, it's definitely, if you haven't heard it, it's one that will stick with you for sure. And I was also looking into another one, which I didn't want to look into because I said you look into this other one and you won't be able to sleep for like days. I'll bring that up to you separately. But it's interesting because I like to keep a few stories in the mix so that I'm, I'm prepared and ahead. And I've had this one in particular in the mix for a few weeks now. And I just like I can't bring myself to present it yet i have to be like or you're just yeah it's just it's it's such a bad thing and there's it's just so messed up yeah Yeah. Hmm. that it's like you just don't want to tell it you don't want to put it out there but it's it's there it happened you know yeah so it's just some of these horrific things are just very hard to tell well i I have a feeling if you know if your your brain's telling you don't do it then don't do it yeah but it happened and that's you know kind of what we're doing here okay you're right we're telling horrible stories regardless of the story people are losing their lives family members are losing their loved ones so regardless of how it happens it's got to be told yeah you're you're right um i'll let you tell those stories then yeah okay well this one's pretty bad too it's really messed up it is it is um so this one's interesting because ed gein you know he he was the kind of the 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 starting point of a lot of different uh, murders and horror films now so like uh, Psycho was kind mm-hmm. of you know influenced by it. Uh, Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs was influenced by this guy, and you know countless others. I read something about Leatherface. I've never seen Leatherface, but um, yeah, and you'll know why very very soon here. But uh, he was known as the Butcher of Plainfield, Wisconsin. Yep, he was from the Midwest, mm-hmm. and he was born uh, August twenty seventh, nineteen oh six. So he had a you know like a lot of these stories, a challenging upbringing. Um, his dad was an alcoholic, uh, physically abusive, but the thing is he wasn't, you know, you, you picture that and you picture somebody coming home from work, you know, especially the 1900s, you're like, ah, go get me my dinner and stuff like that. But he was kind of controlled by his wife. The uh, alcoholic father? Yes. Yes. So, um, they originally lived in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and, uh, they decided to move to Plainfield, 
Wisconsin. So his mom, the one that was controlled, controlling, uh, her name was Augusta. Very big Christian lady. Like everything else is the devil outside of your family. It's kind of like you know, just she read Bible verses all the time and and thought that um, you know, basically they wanted to move from La Crosse, Wisconsin, to Plainfield because she didn't like the glitz and glamour of the big city. Which lacrosse is a small place. <laughs> right, right. I've never been there. My cousin Kristen is from there. Yeah. Um. But yeah, though that's not <laughs> the big glitz and glam of the city. Yeah. So she didn't say glitz and glamour, but it was basically saying that you know the big city was was the devil and it so, was bad for them, a bad influence, and she didn't want her kids being, um, you know, subject to big city and all those bad influences and. Got and, it. So she wanted to really keep it at home, keep it in check, and keep the outside world out. Right. Yep. So, um, yeah, and just to kind of give an example of that, so uh, uh, Ed and oh, he had a um, a brother too, um, Henry, I think his name was, but I'll, I'll talk about him in a little bit here. But so Ed, uh, his teachers and classmates at his elementary school decided he was shy, um, you know, with like a lot of these these guys we talk about, had some strange mannerisms, like he would burst out in laughter and just about his internal dialogue he's having to himself. So, you know, just kind of sitting there and... <laughs> That's never creepy yeah. to be sitting next to a person in class quietly and they start laughing. Right. Um, I'm surprised the mom actually let them go to school, mm-hmm. you know, since she wanted to control the situation so much. Right. I'm surprised she didn't homeschool them. Yeah, you would think so. Yeah. I, I guess she had other things going on. I don't know. Studying the Bible and controlling the father, I guess. Um, the school blamed the mother um, who punished him whenever he tried to make friends. So, like, there would be times where he would bring friends home from school every once in a while. Not not a ton of times, but every once in a while. And she'd find something wrong with them. Be like, no, no, this person is, is you know, channeling the devil here. We can't have this in our house. And this is why. And then so she'd push them away instantly. So she basically taught him, you know, listen to me. Listen to what I say. You know, I know the way. And she, he kind of looked at her as like a goddess almost. Which is interesting because you would think it would be the opposite and he'd want to rebel. Mm-hmm. Especially because, you know, you're out in the class all day you would think he'd resent her for not allowing him to have any friends. It's like, here, be with these people, but don't be friends with them. Yep. Um, so she'd read from the Bible, like I said, preach that the world was an evil place and that all women were whores Oh, um, outside of their family. Obviously. Which is interesting because she's a woman. Right. Well, I mean, I'm sure like that there's probably many, many whores out there. So you want to, like most of the women are whores. Just assume so. And that's safe in doing so. Um yeah, whereas that might be a very good thing for some other people. Um, side course. note, I was kind of called a whore by your mom when we were teenagers. <laughs> Similar to Ed Gein's mother. It um, was prom weekend, and we were in a group. And for your prom, we all spent the night at your house in the basement. And again, there was probably like plenty, eight of us. Tons of sex going it on. It wasn't anything like that. It was very innocent. And me and my best friend, Amanda, were coming up the stairs from the basement. All the guys had already gone upstairs. And we heard Mike's mom say, I am not running a whorehouse here. And I turned to Amanda and I was like, hmm, I guess we're the whores <laughs> in the house. <laughs> yeah, makes us the whores. But yeah, I probably should have done a better job asking my mom for everybody. Maybe I didn't ask her if everybody could sleep One over. would have assumed you would have. Well. Because I'm, for my prom, we all stayed the night at my house and my parents knew that that was happening. Yeah, I didn't do, ask for permission usually. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was before I was able to fully control you right. in our marriage. Similar to Augusta like, over here. Uh, very much like Augusta. Yep. So, um, yeah, just basically drinking and other immoral, like any anything outside the house was an immoral act. But her husband was an alcoholic. Yes. Right. She probably hated him. So they that. had to have alcohol in the house. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm sure. Interesting how that works. Yep. Um, I always picture her kind of like Waterboy, um, the Adam Sandler's mom in Waterboy. She's like, foosball's the devil. Oh, yeah. I like everything's that part. the devil. Mm-hmm. Um, except not as fun and exciting as that. Um, so she didn't allow a social life and um, she would confine Ed and his brother Henry. That was his brother's name. Right. Henry to a farm. Um, they had a big farm. They actually, um, Ed was a, a pretty good farmer. He was a hard worker, um, you know, always dedicated to what needed to be done. Um, he became like a, a handyman of sorts all through the town. And it's, it's such a small town, Plainfield. I think it's like under a thousand people. Um, everybody kind of knew each other. And, um, you know, he was, he was a hard worker and you know, never really gave any, anybody a lot of trouble. Uh, he ended up dropping out of school around 12 or 13 years old to work on the family farm. And um, then in April 1st, 1940, his dad died of a heart attack. So this is, you know, he's in his 30s at this point. Okay. So pretty much. Still living at home though? Yep. Um, lived at home his whole life. Okay. This one home. 
So, um, yeah, I mean, not not a whole lot of crazy stuff happening. They, they, yeah, I watched a couple interviews of what kind of guy he was, and they were like, oh, he's quiet, but nice enough, you know, where he'd come around, and this one guy's like, yeah, he would ask about your day all the time, you know, know enough to just be like, hey, how's it going? How are this and that? Okay, well, see you later. And they're like, yeah, he, weird guy, but But nice. able to at least have conversation. Exactly, yeah. Because, yeah, I was looking on Reddit, and some people were saying they almost feel bad for him because he was probably, like, autistic or something like that. And obviously, with such a sheltered life, um, his mom controlling him, just saying, you know, you can't talk to anybody. And then being out of school at 12 or 13 and, you know, already being under the thumb of this lady, probably very developmentally disabled and, you know, other things. Well, all of his other things, like his social life and stuff like that, it didn't exist. Yeah. So you're only life is just living in this farmhouse right and then especially once he dropped out of school the rest of the social part was gone and then he's only with his mom yeah wonder what his brother's situation was in the house so his brother seemed a little bit more outspoken um just from the small amounts i could read about him so it, there were points where he actively spoke out against the mom to ed and to the mom saying you know she's a little nutty a little baddie a little controlling i don't like this whole thing ed never would because he's so Maybe Henry recognized it and Ed just thought it was normal. Right. Yeah. Ed, and, yeah. He was, yeah. And it, basically, what they said is he was kind of a, like a 12 or 13 year old living in an adult's body. Mm. So, didn't have a lot of like social cues. Um, even though he, you know, he was nice enough to know to, you know, ask about people's lives and stuff, but just general things like kind of didn't get him in general. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the things that you take for granted in everyday life, you know, just didn't come to him easily. Um, but yeah, it, it, there were a couple times where his brother did speak out against his mom and he didn't like that. So yeah. So anyways, he's him and his brother are still working on the farm. Um, it's uh, 1944. And uh, this is the first incident that kind of set things rolling here. So it's 1944. Uh, him and his brother were burning away some marsh, some grasslands as people do on the farms, just like a controlled burn. Make sure things are, are set. I don't. I'm not a farmer. I don't know. Well, um, you know why you burn these things? Maybe it make room allows, for next year's crop. Yeah, the fresh, um, healthier stuff to come through. Yeah. The only reason why I know that is because I watched the Pioneer Woman, and you know she lives on Drummond Ranch. So of course, of course, on her hundreds and thousands of acres. Yes. Well, um, so they're they're burning some marsh, and I guess it was spreading quicker than they thought they could. Uh, they were you know con- uh, planning on it uh, spreading. So they ended up calling the fire department to take care of the fire. Uh, fire department came in, sprayed everything down. After the firefighters left, um, yeah, they'd come and gone. The uh, There was one website that said Ed reported his brother is missing. But then another video I watched said um, Ed took them. So you know, maybe this is what happened is that Ed reported his brother missing, and then the authorities came back later. So Ed took them directly to his brother's uh, dead body, which was face down. Um, uh, and you know, looks like he died from asphyxiation. Okay. Related to this fire. So that's, that's part of it. So, um, obviously they thought it was related to the fire somehow because, you know, this gigantic fire happens and then the and now he's asphyxiated. Dead. Right. But I guess they say that, um, the police realized that Henry had been dead before the fire got out of hand and that he had some weird bruises on his head. Interesting. Yeah. So. And Henry, I assume at this point is probably in his thirties as well. Yep. So young guy, mm-hmm. of course it was back then where the average life was probably not super old, but still right. an otherwise healthy 30-year-old. Yeah, Why yeah. are you dead with bruises on your body? Hmm. Right. So the cops suspected that Ed killed his brother, but there wasn't any kind of evidence or anything. So they were just forced to kind of accept the death as an accident. And, and maybe the fact that he like just led them to his body that they're like, well, certainly he didn't do it and then right. bring us here. Yeah. Um, so they also a medical examiner looked at it and said Henry died of a heart attack fighting the fire. Interesting. So that was kind of the you know open book shut and closed, and that's that's the end of it there. Um, you know they didn't have a lot of the forensics and stuff like that that they have today. But did they do an autopsy and see that his heart suffered an attack? I don't know that. Interesting. So okay. um, I was just like, oh, it's a heart attack. Okay, right. close close the book. Yeah, we're good. Well, it's a small town Plainfield. They all know each other. You know, yeah. nobody ever suspects. Ed so. wouldn't kill Henry. Right. Um, according to one website later, investigators would claim that there was no doubt that Ed had been the murderer. Yeah. So there, uh, yeah, if there was no doubt, then, you know, a lot of stories change over time. So they're looking back and they hear all these things they're like, oh yeah, I used to put the, the pieces together afterwards. Right. 
So some people have this theory that um, he killed Henry because Henry suggested, you know, I, I mentioned that the mother was a little too overwhelming. So Ed didn't like that. And he viewed his mother as this perfect goddess. And maybe he just decided, hey, you know what? He doesn't see her as she is. And I need to get rid of her. Yeah, so. he didn't appreciate his brother speaking poorly of his mother. Yep. So also it was, you know, finally that Ed had his mother to himself. You know, some dad's gone. Brother's gone. Yep. And so now it's just me, him and mommy. You know, everything's good. He, you oh, know, he can't creepy. wait. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, you're probably gonna hear a lot of these mommy tales and uh, a lot of these, these crimes and stuff. But well, and you know, I am the mother of a son and I just adore my kids so much. And I'll, I'll say like, Oh my gosh. And when you go to college, I'm going to be so sad and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, and Cameron will joke and say, well, I'll just stay here forever. I'm like, no, <laughs> no. Then I will have failed as a parent. Like I want you to go. Leave the nest, spread your wings, go live your life. Right. As much as I'm going to miss you, I want that for you. And similarly, my mom didn't like that you were taking her baby away from her. When, yeah, I was um, like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, so again, my mom's pretty much Augusta in this scenario. <laughs> sorry, sorry, mom. I thought I was Augusta. Oh, yeah. And on the side note, I absolutely adore Mike's mom. Yes, you do. So we're good there, and this is all in... in good fun yeah so we'll probably bring this up when she comes <laughs> mike's mom is not an evil person well we'll be like hey ma so i was researching <laughs> this uh killer and um allison thinks you're kind of like the mom that caused him to kill all these people <laughs> um she'll enjoy that anyway what's for dinner yeah um so yeah they, like i said you know he'd love that his dad and brother were out of the picture but unfortunately for ed uh, augusta ended up having a stroke so um she he actually did nurse her back for a while um he would like uh there were stories where he would lay in bed and like you know rub her hair and stuff like that with her and like he just loved her i wonder if anything inappropriate like i mean obviously that's probably a little on the creepy side of things but like i wonder if anything like sexually inappropriate happened yeah it's entirely possible uh no reports that i saw i didn't specifically look for that but uh Probably didn't want to hear about it either. Because Ed has never had a lady friend in his life. Not that... One would assume Ed was a virgin. Right. Okay. I would assume. That'd be a safe assumption, I would say. Um, a so, lady or a man friend. You right. know, we don't know. Yeah, yeah. Different. Hey, who knows? Um, so he nursed her back to health. Uh, she was getting better and better. But then she had a final and fatal stroke on December 29th, 1945. And 39-year-old Ed was devastated. I bet. Yep. Um... Let's see. So, yeah, like I said, he was stuck at like a teenage adolescent maturity level. Um, So after his brother's death and then his mother's a few years later, for the next 12 years, he got obsessed with recreating the world that he shared with his mom. So he kind of wanted to go back just like just me and mom. Like, that's just what I want. He's just completely obsessed. He was remodeling the house that they lived in just so it could be just like when him and his mom lived there. Um, he renovated the house, but instead of turning it into a more useful home for himself, he boarded up every room that had been used by his mother and instead moved into a single bedroom right off the kitchen. So wanted to keep that section that his mom touched like completely perfect. And his little hovel was just like a complete shithole. Oh, so I mean, you can see pictures online just like you know it looks like a hoarder like the same thing you would anything you would picture of hoarding that's what his his room looked like uh really disgusting stuff like just didn't keep things up and and mike knows i'm a person that just hates stuff like if you're if it's in my house it has to have a use otherwise i want it gone yep because i can't stand just stuff just laying around that i have no use for now the place he boarded up you'd love that but um you know all the other the area he stayed in just you know yeah he, he needed just a tiny little bit of room yeah um, i guess a, per, a single person i don't know how big the house was initially but yeah, a few rooms yeah yeah so now he's got his kitchen and then a room is basically his home now right correct is the farm functioning any longer i wonder i don't know um because you got to wonder how he's making money maybe the house was already paid for who knows i'm sure they probably built it themselves yeah. and yeah probably not a lot of bills back in those days right you go to the local store sell a couple soybeans and you're good to go for a couple weeks ed sounds like a simple man right. didn't need much right stuff yep he wasn't on amazon too much shopping well he did buy some things to keep him interested okay. um while living by himself he became interested in death cult magazines, mm. uh, pornography. Um, okay. Obviously. So I did have some sexual interest. Yep. Um, Nazi cannibal adventure stories. Wow. That's very specific. Yeah. I thought that was weird. Like I was reading this, this blog that, that quote directly comes from this one blog I was looking at 
And I was like, what the hell is a Nazi cannibal adventure story? I don't know, but obviously it involved Nazis and cannibalism so it's, and adventures. <laughs> it's, and then another story I heard, um, they referred to this author Ilse, or author or artist or whatever, Ilsa uh, Koch or Cook, K-O-C-H, uh, Ilsa, I-L-S-E. So sh- this Ilsa used to collect patches of skin from people involved in the Holocaust. Oh, like just absolutely disgusting. Okay. In my opinion, I, I don't get it, but um, yeah, this was something he was like infatuated with this person and about collecting little pieces of skin and just like thought that was fascinating, like interesting. And you know, it spent a lot of time thinking about that. So you kind of see where we're going. Here. Yes. Um, so then we get to November 16th, 1957. Ed is about 51 years old. So, you know, just living his, his solitary life by himself once in a while saying hi to neighbors and finally, 51 years old. I bet you his house was not very fresh smelling. No, probably it smelled like absolute like cow shit and, and other things, as you're going to learn about here yeah, shortly. Yeah, I don't think he cleaned much either, I would guess. Nope. So this was the first day of deer hunting season. Okay. Okay. In, uh, in Plainfield, Wisconsin. So pretty much every male in Plainfield was gone. Just because it's you know small town and lots of hunting and up north in Wisconsin, big deer out there to go get, go bag yourself a buck. And then they've got their meat for the winter. Yeah, exactly. Um, that was also the day that a local hardware store owner disappeared. Um, her name was Bernice Warden. Um, so Ed was kind of infatuated with Bernice. Uh, he really, not sexually, just liked to, uh, maybe he vi- viewed her as like another mother figure for mm-hmm. him. Uh, he would always come over, and she ran the local store, and you know, and talked to her all the time. She kind of got annoyed by him a little bit, kind of just like you know, a little bit too much. Came around too often. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he he absolutely was infatuated with her. Um, so she ended up missing. She was last seen the previous night, and had re- been reported missing after her hardware store remained closed all day long. Uh, her son Frank, who was also the deputy sheriff, went into the store after hours and hours of being gone hunting because all the males were right and uh found the cash register open with blood stains on the floor oh never a good sign no so Plus she was probably one of those people that like was never late in opening her store and then it's not open and it's like oh what the hell where is she right in small town yeah you, know, you come on over it's like hey where's she at or, yeah where's bernice is she doing you know sleeping or something like that yeah it's just people people know each other so while interviewing frank the son um, investigators found out that Gein had been in the store the previous night and had told Bernice Warden that he was going to come back in the morning for a half gallon of antifreeze. So sure enough, they found out, they looked through receipts, the last sale made at the store was, that was a gallon of antifreeze. Um, so what happened was Ed Gein came in during broad daylight and you know, just nobody was there. Pretty much, like they they interviewed some of the people. They said, "What happens on the first day of hunting season?" They're like, "It's like a ghost town here." Okay, so he knew that then. I wonder if he Most planned. Likely. Okay, the town's going to be empty. This would be a good time. Yep, yep. So he just strolls into the store, like nobody, like nobody's around anywhere. Um, and I'm sure back then it was kind of sexist where there weren't very many women heading into the hardware store because they left that to the men. Right. Whereas I frequently go to Lowe's or whatever for whatnots. I bet you back then it was predominantly the males. So the place was probably quiet as could be. Yep. Um, so he strolled in, bought a gallon of antifreeze, um, and then brought that out to his car, came back in, asked Bernice for... Um, uh, he actually wanted to take a look at a rifle that was sitting out in the front window. So as she turned around to get into the rifle, he shot her in the back of the head and then loaded her corpse into the car. Jesus. Yeah. Something to do to somebody that you admire and are infatuated with, eh? Yeah. And just, just so shot her in the middle of the day and nobody heard it. And just, yeah, that's the, another incredible part. I guess there's really no like downtown. I guess that was the downtown area. Right. And, you know, I'm sure he scoped it out and saw there were, really weren't many passerbys. So he felt comfortable just doing such a thing in the middle of the day. And on the first day of hunting season, hearing a gunshot probably isn't the craziest True. thing. Yeah. So immediately investigators headed to uh, Ed Gein's home after the um, the, the son found you know, all this information. The receipts here. and whatnot. Yep. So they ended up finding a receipt for the antifreeze at his house, and they began searching his property. So um, now they were definitely knew they'd probably find Bernice's body somewhere, but they found it 
that and a lot more than they expected. So this is where this is the entire thing that just kind of goes off the rails here. So while searching the house, they found what would later inspire horror movies like the silence of the lambs and psycho and, and all that stuff. Um, there was one point where policemen came into this room and saw something hanging from the rafters and they just thought, Oh, it's a deer strung up or something, you know, from deer hunting season it ended up being a human body. Good Lord. That was gutted, um, from the sternum, you know, down to the hips and just opened up completely. And, you know, this is a small town police force that isn't used to seeing this. They're not expecting to walk into this horror show. Right. Much less a big city police force isn't used to that either. But I mean, this is especially shocking for them. And I'm sure nothing really ever happened in this town. Right. Exactly. So a couple petty thefts and something here and there, Uh, you know, domestic disturbances and such, but just completely, you know, caught them off guard. So in addition to that, they found tons and tons of bones both like whole and fragmented um, skulls stuck on bedposts, like Lord of the Flies style, like, you know, just tons of, of human bones all over the place. Uh, bowls and kitchen utensils made and carved out of bones and skulls. Um, but worse, there was items, uh, you know, like those things made out of bones. There were some stories there that people would come over and maybe have soup with Ed or something, like some, some neighbors ended up that they had soup out of those skull bowls. Oh. You know, they found out years later. It'd be interesting to know what it looked like. Like a white bowl, like a white porcelain oh bowl-ish, gosh. I guess. And uh, so they had tons of stuff there. Like there were household items made out of human skin. Um, that know. I remember. So I- they always show the chairs upholstered yes. with the human skin. So, you know, you, you want to reupholster something, he took somebody's skin Ugh. and stapled it all over it and made it look... And actually, it looks like... You wouldn't know? I mean... Like maybe almost like leather? Yeah. Like, it looks like leather. Oh. I mean, it is. That's exactly what Well, that's what cowhide, you know? Yeah. Um, there was a wastebasket made of skin. You know, it is interesting, though. Like, obviously, humans and animals are different, but, like, we carry around leather purses and wear leather shoes and jackets and things like that. Right. If you think, like... Okay, this person's going in the ground anyway. Why shouldn't we use their skin for? I mean, obviously, of that's like a whole other bag of tricks. But right. the fact that we like do carry around animal skin on our shoulders a little strange. Yeah, yeah, you make a good point. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, I don't really own anything leather, just because I'm probably cheap. I guess. Right. Yes, and you're welcome for that. Yeah, thank you, Mike, for turning me into this frugal person. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, it is. But human skin is a whole other ball game yeah well i he he lacked the similarly to how we're having this conversation he probably lacked the wherewithal and be like you know it's it's not the same thing and so what would stop him be like why can't i just use skin for things yeah it's not like he needed it obviously he had a sickness where right. he wanted to use skin for these sort of things. well he was fascinated with that nazi cannibalism story or whatever this ilsa person mm-hmm. was that had the swatches of skin obviously that inspired him to do it himself absolutely so not only that, he had um, some leggings made out of human skin, um, masks made from other people's faces, so he'd fashion them and, and wear them for himself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a belt made of nipples. That one is the one that I can never get out of my mind. <laughs> the belt of nipples, and I've seen the picture. Did you see the picture? Oh God, no! I thought of looking for it, and I was like, I don't need. I mean, I pictured it in my head. I'm like, why nipples? I guess they're extra tough. So yeah, I, I mean, I guess, but you need like a lot of nipples to make a belt, right? Maybe he had time on his hands. Oh, gosh. Disgusting. And a pair of lips. Which I can't even believe I just said that. You need a lot of nipples to make a belt. <laughs> like I'm thinking about it in a normal, logical way. Like, well, how many nipples would you need for a belt? Probably 60 because then they're going to shrink because they're dried. Dried up. Yeah. Good God. Um, a pair of lips being used as uh, window shade drawstrings. I thought that was like, how many lips do you need for that? I don't know. I saw it. Did you look at all the pictures of these things, though? I, I briefly, and then I deleted them all. You need to. I did. No, I don't. I'm, oh, not, I'm, I'm yeah. fine. It's in my head forever. Yeah, I'm fine not knowing. They were, they were all attached to my little manuscript here, but I deleted them all. I'm one of those very morbidly fascinated people that have to see the pictures. Mm-hmm. And then once you see it, you wish you hadn't. Right. But I never learned my lesson. See, I stopped in the middle. I said, I don't need to see this, and I'm you're, okay you're with it. You're smart, and I'm not. <laughs> nah, you're good. Don't worry. You say that all the time and you are okay. Just you're you're, <laughs> I'm you're good okay. enough. I'm smart enough. And gosh, darn it. People like I me. like you. Uh, there's a corset made out of female torso, a lampshade made from a human face. 
Just so this is basically how he was spending his evenings. Right. Just sitting in this disgusting home, crafting things made out of humans. Yep. Um, and now, you know, he kind of didn't stop there. Police found other things like dismembered body parts, which he was probably going to fashion into other things, um, including fingernails, which weird fingernails. Oh, just pull, ugh, I wondered why they talked Ooh. about that. I pictured clippings, but obviously no, whole I'm sure it was whole fingernails, uh, four noses and the genitals of nine different women. Wow. Yeah. Um, Cause that's the other thing. Obviously had a lot of victims. Hence me saying about the whole nipple um, belt. Right. You know, what is an average belt? 29 inches? I mean, that's a thin female. I was thinking more like 38 you or 40 inches. You yeah. are more along the lines of a 38 incher. So that, you know. Thank you. You'd have to have a lot of victims to craft such a thing. <laughs> yep. He was a little guy, though. So I think he was probably more your size. Yeah. Um, that's what they say. Uh, they did find Bernice Warden's body as well, obviously. Um, decapitated. Her head was hung in a burlap sack, and her heart was hanging oh. in a plastic bag near the stove. I hope her son wasn't there to find that, because yeah. you said he was like the police something or other. Yeah. Um, And, you know, that's just where you see these people get, like, obviously he's out of control to begin with, but, like, take it to another level to the fact that he took this woman who everyone would notice would be gone and left the blood on the cat. Like, he didn't care that he, she was going to be found. I don't think there's a lot of thinking involved besides the I want her mine, my own. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's what he wanted. Now, are we going to talk about who these other victims were? Yeah. Okay. So police also found the remains of another woman, Mary Hogan, equally dismembered um, as Bernice. Mary Hogan was a lady who was reported missing several years prior, um, back in December 8th, 1954, about three years earlier. Did she live in the town? Yep. So reports said that um, when Mary Hogan went missing, she was like a bartender okay. uh, somewhere, and uh, Ed would talk with some neighbors about it and stuff, and yeah, other people would just like, you know, the town, you know, she's missing, nobody knows where she is. Yeah. So people would be like, so Ed, how about, you know, um, missing Mary Hogan, you know, kind of crazy. And he said, oh, she's not missing, she's up at the house. And people would just be like, oh, that's just Ed being weird. Yeah. So she was actually at Ed's house. That's uh, cut up and you know, very disturbing fashion several things out of it it's like looking back imagine being that neighbor like son of a bitch like i he could have reported him actually being serious right so these decapitated and dismembered parts of the body were just sitting in the home right just stinking up and rotting and uh, <laughs> that's what you're going back to like he smelled all these things and it was okay with him well i am just so well, big was, on smells so it was probably in like um like more of like the i don't know like a an underground or okay, like okay that's know, i wondered if an he area had where like, they'd go to like you know open up carcasses and stuff like that got it a butchering area so um well like right now as we podcast we have a nice fall candle burning I had opened this like Tupperware of beans yesterday in the fridge that was like a week or two old. So it just like passed its prime, which like drives me insane. And it stunk so bad. And I'm like obsessing over the smell of these beans. I'm like, now it's out in the garage and the whole garage is going to stink. And sure enough, the garage stinks. And our family's coming over that complain about everything you can think about. <laughs> so I can't imagine having like these strewn body parts. Through, I mean, throughout the house. Yeah. Um, that is fucked. Yeah. 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 It was definitely disgusting. So, you know, eventually they obviously um, arrested Ed and, you know, brought him in, booked him. Uh, he basically confessed immediately. Um, there was really no, you know, well, remorse or anything. It was just factual to him more than anything. The first thing he said when they sat him down to interview him, he asked um, if he could have an apple pie with a slice of cheese on top. Hmm. Okay. So this wasn't like... You know, he's you're dealing with a kid, like even younger well, than adolescent, thirteen uh, year old. You're basically talking with like a ten, eight, eight to ten year old. At maybe, this point. but an eight to ten year old would know that killing is bad. Yeah, you know, it's like he didn't even see it as is a bad thing it was just like yep i did this anyway can i get my pie which obviously his mom didn't do a good enough job teaching immoralities and stuff so you know he would think he would not murder you know thou shall not murder it's in the commandments of the you know, christian i know she was super christian so, right i mean ultimately yeah you're not dealing with somebody that's thinking logically so. no and there's a lot of bad things that happen in the church too yeah you know well, of course anywhere um so, yeah, he confessed immediately. He told police that he had made at least 40 different visits to three local graveyards 
to exhume human bodies. Okay, so that's where he was getting a lot. Yep, so he said he only killed two people only. Henry, no, because he did Mary and yeah. Mary Hogan and uh, Bernice. Right. So those were the two. So he never confessed to his brother? Correct. Okay, interesting. Yeah, well, I don't know that he didn't, but they said that the, you know, they just referred to these two that he killed. So yeah, I guess not. Because you would think like, okay, I'm caught. Yeah. What harm is it to say? Yep. I offed Henry too. You know what? He may have at some point, but that never came out. That at least that I read. I never looked that into that. So if anybody's listening to this, like, yeah, he did come out with his brother. Yeah, maybe he did. Okay. So, so um, I'm sorry, I cut you off. So he's going to the graveyard and digging these people up. I'm Correct. like getting all sketchy and weird. We have a bear's flag out front, and the shadow just came, and I like flipped <laughs> to the side, like, oh, it's somebody's <laughs> Ed's here. Yeah, Ed's family is looking for us. Um, yeah, he confessed to going to the the graveyard. So the, the police thought that was kind of weird. They're like, that's a lot of freaking work to go dig up freaking bodies and take them out and whatever. He's like, you're, you're talking about six feet of packed soil. Right. And you'd have to have it done in one night because then the morning comes around and people are there. Right. Correct. So they're like, they kind of like, were like, no, he definitely killed these people. And actually people in Plainfield... They're like, no, this guy killed way more people. Like they were freaked out that he basically butchered twelve people, you know, serial killer style. And so police went to the graveyard and looked at all the places that he said that you know he killed people. And sure enough, they dug down to the coffin, found that it was busted into. Wow. Um, you know, bodies exhumed, body parts, and things just taken out of them, and then put back in the dirt, put back in place. I'm so confused. So he would go to the graveyard at night. I would assume he'd want someone kind of fresh. I know that sounds creepy, but he probably knew, you know, so-and-so passed away. They had the funeral. They're buried. Maybe he wanted that quickly. So he'd go like that night. So he wouldn't take the whole body. Obviously, that's a heavy person. Right. So he would like take a knife and like cut them up in the caskets. Yeah. Good God. Probably taking hands and fingernails and noses. Like, yeah, that's why they found those different oh things. Oh, my God. I just, like, picture this happening in my head, like, at night, this, like, crazed man, like, in a coffin, like, cutting off a hand. Yep. And you, you make a good point. So, it probably made it a little easier to dig down if it was fresh. Yeah, true. Because it hadn't had time to settle and pack. Right. Because so imagine, like, if years go by and winters happen and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And two, then you're dealing with, like, a decaying corpse that's probably like loaded with bugs and whatnot he probably didn't want to deal with that one would think right i know i'm thinking into this a lot but no you're right i'm assuming he probably wanted a fresh body yeah absolutely so it was true then so he had actually gone into these caskets and grave sites and whatever yep and so you know i I did mention serial killer and some people say that he doesn't really uh fit the like definition of a serial killer what is the definition i don't know uh that's a good question probably should look that up before coming on let me let me let's pause and we'll check back yeah i'll be right back in a second here and just like back through the magic of the internet, I'm back. So says serial killer, person who commits a series of murders, often with no apparent motive, and typically following a characteristic predictive behavioral pattern. Um, so I guess several of these things, a, a person who commits a series of murders, he had two murders, that obviously, and his brother. But they said it was all, like kind of like one shy of like a serial murder or serial killer type of thing. Well, his motive would have been getting their skin and body parts and whatever to make these morbid crafts he made. Yeah. And um, I think I talk about it. Yeah. And I talk about the motives here. So there, there's definitely some motive involved. And then involving a characteristic, predictable behavioral pattern. Nothing predictable. I mean, he didn't like sit there for weeks and months. Maybe he did for, um, for Bernice. Um, but then the one before that, you know, it sounds like that was kind of just out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, spastic. And I think, you know, obviously just kind of insane. I think, though, a lot of serial killers fall within that spastic thing. Yeah. Because they can go weeks without doing anything. And then in one night they could go on a rampage, you know. But were they planning those things all along? No, not necessarily. Yeah, not necessarily. So, yeah, I, I guess it depends. You know, what's interesting, too, is, you know, he had hunting season available to him. He could have made these, like morbid you know chair coverings or whatever out of like deer skin but he wanted to use humans i'll tell you why here so in addition to talking about his his methods of killing people um oh before i get there so he told police he had made 40 different visits to the three local graveyards to exhume human bodies he claimed he had done so in a days like state 
So he felt like he just kind of maybe that was euphoria in you know inside of him, or just like you know, you know how they say fear and excitement is like the same feeling. It's just a matter of how you look at it. I guess so. Yeah. You ever hear that? Your body probably just has the same response. You Correct. know. Yep. So like if you're about to go up in front of and talk in front of a bunch of people. You're, you're feeling fearful or anxious and it's really the exact same feeling as excitedness so you can kind of channel it however you feel you want to so like uh, personally i get excited i'm like okay this is cool like I'm, I'm nervous but i'm like excited to get in front of people yeah whereas people that have that you know horror of getting in front of people are just like you know like they have the same down. feeling but they're choosing or their body is forcing them to feel no bad 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 get away yeah yeah so um almost like a zombie like state he wanted this thing done because that's a lot of work, you yeah. know, to go out and do these things 40 different times. So let's talk about the the, the motive. So he revealed that um, soon after his mother's death, he'd begun to create a woman's suit so that he could literally become his mother. And Hence the psycho yep. um, part that, what was it, Hitchcock? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So... Um, he wanted to make a woman's suit so he can literally become his mother and crawl into her skin. Good God. He said he would cover himself with these skins. And then, so, you know, cover, you know, you heard about the leggings. I, the first time I heard about leggings made out of skin, I'm like, what the hell is he doing with leggings? He would put on these leggings, put on the, the gloves made by, Ugh. you know, human skin, put on the, the coat made out of a, a woman, um, and then the mask and everything. And he'd prance around in his yard, prance, and, you know, kind of channel his mother and think that he was his mother. Oh, um, my gosh. Can it, you imagine, like, seeing the sight? No. <laughs> and what could have been going on in his head? Uh, so I picture, like, um, clotheslines and stuff, and him just, like, jumping around in his, his backyard and oh. with, like, skin on himself. Now, would he be doing this at nighttime? Like, I'm sure his know. nearest neighbor wasn't very close if he had a farm. No, it was miles and miles yeah, away. Yeah, whereas, matter. obviously, for us, our neighbors are a hop, skip, and a jump away. They'd see us prancing with human skin on our, our bodies. Yeah. Well, they might think it's leather, and then, yeah. And that would be also kind of creepy. It would. It would. Any kind of prancing. <laughs> you look out the window, oh, Bob's got his uh, leather <laughs> face on again. Yeah, it's just <laughs> jumping around. Crazy old Bob. Um, and, uh, you know, they also noticed that, obviously, he uh, targeted women every time anything happens. All these corpses and stuff were all women. So. Okay, so he specifically knew to go for women and... I, I guess the fascination with his mother and the female and blah, blah, blah. Yep. Didn't care for his dad. Probably didn't care for his brother, hence killing him. Yep. Um, so, yeah, he, he was all about channeling his mom and getting back to mommy. Uh, there were parts, obviously, of tons of different bodies found in his home at this time. Um, but Gein was accused of only one count of murder for Benice Warden. And not um, the other lady? No, nope, not at that time. So maybe eventually, yeah, that probably got him too. Obviously, well, he confessed to it. So He confessed to it, and I'm sure they had her body parts there. Yeah, yeah they did. They, she was butchered just like Bernice. Jesus. Um, so he pled not guilty by reason of insanity, and he was claimed, declared unfit to stand trial. He was sent to the hospital for cr- criminally insane, where he was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Oh, wow. Big surprise. Yeah, surprise, surprise. Uh, he was retried once after doctors believed he would participate in a trial, but was again declared mentally insane. He was confined to the, spent the rest of his life in a mental hospital and died as one of history's most disturbing serial killers, uh, this one says, at Mendota Mental Health Institute at the age of 77 on July 26, 1984. Wow. Uh, he died from respiratory failure, complications from cancer. Got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you'll be glad to know that he was uh, buried next to his mother in the same cemetery where he Ugh. committed a lot of these crimes. Man alive. So like that, I guess, you know, who's who's has any uh, say as to where somebody gets buried? You know, it kind of sucks that as a family member of these people that were just like, you know, chopped up and stuff like that, the guy that did all this is laying in the same cemetery. So you go to visit your loved one and the killer of them is near, well, not the killer, but a guy who came and like played with their bodies. Well, completely disrespected them. You know, can you imagine knowing that your, your person was like dug up in the middle of the night and hacked at? Yep. And the guy who did it is laying right there. But I guess you have to just remember that he was mentally insane. Right. So, yeah, he, he was right next to his mom, between his mom and dad, um, back to where he, he started. Um, and so there was a lot of stuff that kind of went on after he was dead. Um, this was one of the first, like, cases where the kind of murder culture came in and, like, really wanted to know more about it. And kind of there was 
people coming to look at the house itself and people coming to look at his gravesite. So they would chip off little pieces of the gravestone and then sell it to people and be like, this is Ed Gein's you know, gravestone and you know, sell them for you know a few bucks here and there. Um, so they, they had to keep on like fixing it all the time because it keeps on getting desecrated and whatever. But eventually they just made it unmarked. Just so like, so you would go there now and you wouldn't even know. Got who it. it was. And this is in Plainfield, Wisconsin yep. that he's buried. Mm-hmm. And then I wonder what they did to the house. I like tear it down. Interesting that you should say that. So for a while, like I said, we're the, the, the house where he lived his whole life. Uh, most of his life, it was turned into kind of a tourist attraction. Weird. Well, they didn't like start sell, selling tickets or anything, but people would drive from outside and come and take a look, peek in there. Look, cause yeah, I mean, it was, pristine the areas that he left untouched you know you can look in the window and see exactly how it was when his mom died so kind of fascinating and morbid and disgusting. sure sure people are fascinated by stories yeah absolutely. crazy as this yep so it was eventually going to be turned into like a museum or something like that like i air quotes museum because it's kind of a disgusting thing to think about but whatever you would call that where you know people could come and look and see what it, what it was like but as, obviously all the body part things were removed from the home yeah, I would think so. I would still look disgusting, but maybe you might think, oh, there's a piece of an ear or something. But yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm sure it was, was uh, you know, a lot of things were moved away. But um, just before it was due to be put up for auction, it was burned to the ground. Hmm. Yeah. By whom? <laughs> well, people are like, well, it was probably arson. Somebody came of in. Of course it was, yeah. you know, that didn't spontaneously combust. Right. And uh, obviously, you know, the local authorities come in and they're like, don't worry. Don't worry. It wasn't just. We're not going to go yeah. ahead and do this. Don't re- research how this happened. Just mm-hmm. put it away. Put it in the file. I'll handle it. Yes. I'll handle it. So they still do have people coming to the site of the house, but nothing's really there. Right. Um, the townspeople wanted to make sure it was kind of gone. Like. You can look up this like YouTube videos and this old guy that's like, yeah, it's you know Plainfield's a nice town. It's a shame we've got a lot of like doctors and lawyers and you know very successful people coming out of this town, and one bad person, you know, and that's what we're known for, right? You know, that's unfortunately what it is. But uh, so the site of the house is just sitting there, kind of empty right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I certainly wouldn't want to build anything there. Me neither. Um, so that'd be as shit. Yeah, that's the story of Ed Gein, a very, very well-known portion here. Um, the inspiration to um, Silence of the Lambs and Psycho and, and a number of others Ooh, out there. So creepy. Yeah, so wearing skin. Buffalo Bill, that's the guy that's like, uh, yep. it puts the lotion on the skin. Or it or gets, it gets the, the hose, hose again. again. Yeah. Put the fucking lotion in the basket. Right. He wanted to keep the people's skin very moist. Yeah. Ugh. So that sucked, but uh, hey. Yeah, that's it's one to know about for sure. Yeah, you did a good job. Oh, thanks, Beb. So, hey, thanks for listening. Uh, we really appreciate you. This is the Crime and Coffee podcast. Tell your friends. And um, we're officially releasing this week, so it should be exciting. Yeah. Yeah, we'll go from here. And uh, I think you're up next week. I am. Looking forward to hearing you. Yeah. All right. I, I really enjoy just kicking back and drinking my coffee, but I'll be ready for next week. Good luck. All right. Can't wait. We'll see you then. All right. Bye. Bye.